Hey there. This is YOY. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Landed today successfully from uh, South Carolina. My flight was canceled last night. I was on family vacation. Oh, you guys are going to hear about family vacation really soon. <laughs> um, I have to talk to you about it with a, a licensed professional first. But once I'm done with that, then you guys will get all the juicy details. Just kidding. It's too painful. Um, but I'm back. Flight land got up at 4.30, flight landed, went straight to work, went straight to WFMU. And now I'm just going to monologue about my, my problems for the next hour. No, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> but I do want to tell you how my dog is trapped at the dog sitter and how my grandma um, experienced mild heart failure this weekend. Um, so please send your um, get well wishes to my grandma on the WFMU playlist page, WFMU.org, and I will read them off to her tonight before I give her a shower. That's what, what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I have an idea for tonight. I have a thing to talk about that isn't just me. Um, joining me here in the studio, please introduce yourselves, ladies, while I grab at my laptop. <laughs> hey, I'm Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Ksenia Yarosh. Um, we host a uh, film podcast called Bonnie and Maud. And uh, it's at bonnieandmod.com. Yes, and we're on iTunes. Um, we are a femme centric podcast, so all that means is we are two ladies who watch movies and talk about them. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of podcasts and a big fan of films, and I listen to a lot of them, and uh, I wanted to contribute my view. So I started it. <laughs> <laughs> and we're big fans of your show, Andrea. Oh, shucks, guys. We were, just, we were just talking about Randy. It turns out you went to Montgomery College. I did, yeah. I don't know that we were there at the same time. No, he's, he's a little older than you. But, yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so wait. Um, you know, I, I want to get straight to talking about f women and film. And we actually have a great topic tonight. We want to find out if you've ever been on a movie date that was a horrible idea. Maybe the movie brought up something uncomfortable. Maybe just it was too soon for a movie and something went wrong. We want to hear those stories. I have the wonderful Nick the Bard call screening at 201-209-9368. So um, we'd love to fill up the phone bank while we gab. But first, I love origin stories of podcasts. So tell <laughs> me, you guys are on two years of um, doing Bonnie and Maude together. Yes. How did it get started? Our two-year anniversary is in June. Um, how did it get started? We knew each other through Friends of Friends, and um, Ksenia is very active in the scene of seeing and planning screenings of bad movies in New York, um, and does a zine uh, with her husband called I Love Bad Movies, mm -hmm. um, and also organizes the Brooklyn Zine Fest, and I have a background um, producing radio, so I was interviewing you guys on the floor of my apartment, you guys being Ksenia and Matt, about the Brooklyn Zine Fest, and we were and like, this I is think, fun. Yeah, I think towards the end, Matt was like, hey, Ksenia, haven't you wanted to start a podcast, which has been sort of something that I had been talking about for years prior, but I don't know that I actually plan to follow through with it because <laughs> I have no radio training. Uh, so it was like a dream until I found the right person. Aww. <laughs> it was sort of like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. You should ask her. And you asked me. And I said yes. Yeah. Um, 
yeah True and love <laughs> <laughs> and so we basically just sit in my apartment um week in and week out and talk about everything i mean we don't just talk about new movies we talk about classics we'll do comparisons um we don't necessarily also talk about quote-unquote women's movies um and our you know we cover tv as well and you know yeah. we're interested in B movies like schlocky things and like classics like uh, Network and His Girl Friday and Alien and I don't know so we try to cover it all. Yeah I I think a big factor is like we just want to have a good time like we want to watch interesting things and have an interesting conversation like we actually rarely bring academia into it or like film studies it's sort of just like a lot of questions like why do we feel a certain way about this character or like you know, why did this certain movie stick with with us from adolescence? Hmm. Um, and I, I love that. It's that you know, I think it would be a really boring show if you're like, we can only talk about movies that pass the Brechtel test. Um, and something that I think you guys do really well is you could pull out a B-movie by a kind of sexist director and then find the themes and the connections that, that resonate um, to female listeners. Yes, that particular movie, that particular B-movie by a sexist director was uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii by Andy Sedaris. I don't know if any listeners out there are familiar with it, um, but we just decided to watch it. Ksenia suggested it, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to hate this. Like The movies that he makes are these, like, all the women have huge breasts, and they come out a lot, and there's like really superfluous softcore sex scenes, and it's just like running around shooting people. <laughs> But what we uncovered was a touching story of female friendship and empowerment. And I'm being serious. I swear to you, there is that in there. They are in a jacuzzi topless, but they're talking to each other and they're talking about how to solve the latest diamond heist or whatever happened. (laughs) So it was a really touching movie. (laughs) I love that. I mean, that's like, that's the thing that can bring me to tears sometimes. (laughs) It's like those movie, those moments between women. I feel like I can't, I can't, there are very few like couples in film and television where it resonates so deeply that I feel moved, but female friendships in movies, those are the ones that stick and you're like, oh, I want, like you take something from it, like a lesson. I feel like that's the whole reason I ever started watching and continued to watch Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> and there was one of the one of the longtime characters just left that show, um, Sandra O. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they so um, the like Sandra and her the Sandra O oh character and her best friend um, first Meredith Grey had to have their like goodbye moment. And it was perfect. I saw that in the news, and I was like, I didn't even realize it was still on. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no one should watch it, except for that. I think I was going through a period where I just, like, where I was missing a female friendship or didn't have one. Mm -hmm. And then I had to to check in on how they would wrap up a scene like that. So, I don't know. I feel like, I, I, yeah, I I love the concept of the show. Um, Why do you think a show like this is necessary? Like, why shouldn't just... I mean, like I said, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, I I don't want to dismiss these conversations because I like I love the Flophouse. I love a lot of awesome and bad movie podcasts. Um, let's let's hear a few recommendations. <laughs> um, uh, f- uh, 
uh, film spotting. Film spotting is really good. Is one that I really loved. I, I think I've like listened to some of those episodes several times. Um, like I said, the Flop House is a classic. Um, Wham Bam th- Pow is one that I really like. Oh yeah. Um, that's hosted by two ladies and a dude. Yeah. Mm. But I, I think the downside to a lot of these podcasts is it's you know two to three guys talking, and inevitably they're just issues and topics and movies that they miss because they're not ladies and they didn't grow up as little girls watching The Craft and Now and Then and all these other films that we're a little more familiar with. We're just trying to offer a different perspective. And actually a lot of great film podcasts have cropped up recently or have been going on for a while um, that are hosted by, um, you know, voices that are maybe more marginalized or voices that you're not hearing in podcasting that often. And so Wham Bam Pow is a great one. There is Faculty of Horror, which is a horror movie podcast hosted by um, two really smart women out of Canada, mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah, Toronto, that, that's I a great say. one because they, they actually mix kind of jokes and um, casual conversation with a little more academia. Um, mm-hmm. Black Girls Talking is more of a pop culture podcast, um, but it's really funny and um, another one I would recommend. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of perspectives out there. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. And just, you know, the, the topic of women in film is a debate that has been, you know, it's a topic of conversation that has been continuing for a very long time. I mean, the numbers, just statistically, um, women working in film is a low number um, and we are, you know, excited to talk to women working in the film industry, um, either Absolutely. on screen or behind the camera, um, and or you know, doing something involving film like programming, and you know, just kind of see who is there and you know what they like and what they're into and what about film excites them. And and you know, we're yeah. all in it because we love movies because they make us feel great. <laughs> yeah, can, we, we, or they don't always make us feel great, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> We've been really lucky to have um, female um, film projectionists, um, curators, um, filmmakers, di- directors, writers on the show. Um, I mean, they're, most of them are really early in their career, but um, hopefully our podcast launches them into the big leagues. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I just I just want to hit on like agree with one point, which is just, I remember the very early days of podcasts when there were like five podcasts that existed um, that were kind of worth listening, and so much of them, so many of them were hosted by dudes, and I would always feel so isolated um, because you would hear just like one joke about testicles after another, and you would just be like, "This isn't <laughs> speaking to me." Oh, we make those jokes. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you guys are just obsessed with it. Um, but there's this like style of male joking where you go where you take like the last thing that he said and then you throw it back at him. You're like, mm-hmm. you'd see a movie that does that. <laughs> yeah, I always see movies that do That's that thing. That's what she said. <laughs> You're just like, oh, let's just get to the ideas and the substance and the feelings and the human connections. <laughs> um, but so I, I love what you guys are doing. And I just it just reminds me it's a golden era of podcasting. There's so much you could be listening to right now. Totally. Um, don't touch that dial. <laughs> um, we're taking your calls tonight at 201-209-9368. This is YOY on WFMU. I'm Andrea Salenzi. We want to hear about your worst movie date idea ever. Um, or a movie you watched with a partner and things just got uncomfortable. Um, so uh, we're, we're stacking up those calls. Call screener Nick the Bard is working hard. Um, 
So everyone, when people talk about women in film, they always go blah, 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 the Brechtel test. Does this pass the Brechtel test? What is what is this test and, and why should we care about it? Is it the Brechtel or is it Bechtel? Bechtel. I have no idea. <laughs> Not in film. Bechtel test. Bechtel. It okay. is, it's named after Alison Bechtel, who's a, um, a cartoonist and author and writer and smart lady. Uh, she had a comic series called Dykes to Watch Out For. And in it, sh- there was... Uh, a particular scene of um, two people going to the movies and one was saying, I will not see a movie in, unless it passes these three specific rules. Okay, so uh, rule one is, is there more than one woman in this movie? Uh, rule number two is, do they talk to each other or interact in some way in this movie? And rule number three is, uh, do they discuss you know, if they do talk to each other, are they discussing something other than a man? It, um, and isn't there a part where they also have to be named? Is that as a part of it, or is that an add-on? I think I think that's an I think that's what this test is aiming for. Okay. You know, yeah. um, right? It's like when it comes to female characters, do they have names? Do they have a backstory? Do they have motivation? Do they have yeah. complex emotions and you know yeah i mean there there have been more extensive tests that have evolved sort of as a result um it's sort of funny it's this it, when you google it it's just this like one page comic and it has launched so many amazing discussions um yeah and and even recently in uh, sweden it is now used as an actual rating in film, like a film Whoa. gets an yeah, it's a film gets an A if it passes the Bechdel test. Well, is that a, is that a good thing? Do you think that this is a perfect test for for film? <laughs> um, the no. Bechdel test. It is not perfect. Um, <laughs> I I think it's you know it's a great place to start um, the conversation around how female characters and how women are being portrayed in film. Um, but no, it's not everything. Um, there are great movies that do not pass the Bechdel test, and then there are movies that you would uh, expect not to pass it that do. A- the aforementioned Hard Ticket to Hawaii definitely passes the test, <laughs> but there are some really sexist moments in it. Um, funnily enough, uh, Birdemic 2, The Resurrection so, so passes. When, so when the chesty women were in the hot tub together, they weren't talking about a man. That's what that means. That's exactly. No, I, I think they barely talk about men in that movie. It's it's a lot huh. about, like, um, I, I think they work for, like, a drug busting. Like something. a shipping company. I don't know. <laughs> they fight crime on the side. But, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of, about fighting crime. Um, movies that have failed the Bechdel test, um, all of the Lord of the Rings series, uh, um, the Hurt Locker, which was directed by wow. a woman, Catherine Bigelow. She won. She was the first female uh, Best Director Oscar winner. Um, or like Before Sunrise, which is like a great um, relationship movie with Ethan Hawke and uh, Julie Delpy. Um, but with an she doesn't ever talk to any other woman, female character. Yeah, so but that's it's like, like the premise of the film is that they're just on a long, beautiful walk talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so I think that goes to show that you know, the Bechdel test is a great place to start the discussion, but it is not the end all, be all of the discussion. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have a few callers coming through. Um, joining us now is uh, Will and Annadelle. Welcome to YOY. Hi. How's it going? Have you ever had a horrible date to the movies? Oh, brother. Um, 
I had actually been dating this girl for a while, and, and we both had a, you know, a very mutual love of the film Rocky Horror Picture Show, yet I had never attended a shadow cast. <laughs> and a yeah, shadow cast yeah. is when um, um, when they're up on stage and performing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of lingerie. Um, brother. But, yeah, you have to we throw gone, but we things. We went to the one in, um, I believe it was, oh, brother, it doesn't matter. But anyway, I, I figured I'd have like a couple of drinks beforehand, you know, you know, loosen myself up a bit. I was not prepared to get that loose. Ah. I was, yeah, I was, I'd heard things about what goes on in a shadow cast. Nothing, nothing really comp- prepared me for what I was really about to think. I, I don't really consider myself like a very, really uptight person. But I don't know. When I see people jumping around, I get I kind of locked up, and they wanted to pull me on stage, and I, I made some horrible excuse. No, 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 no. I've totally seen this before, and they're asking me what shadow cast I'd seen before. I really didn't want to get up on stage. I didn't want to have to fake an orgasm. <laughs> it, just, it was just, oh, bro, oh my god. It was yeah, no one ever wants to do that. So when you, if you are going to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show and you've never been to one of those before, they you're a virgin and they make yeah. you put a V on your forehead and you have to go up on stage and either fake an orgasm or do something else really embarrassing, which I imagine for a first date or kind of any date um, would be quite embarrassing. Yeah, and it, and it really was. It was getting to the point where I was just, I kind of would just lock up I was like, I don't want to get involved with this. I want to just watch the movie. What did your date do? She just kind of just stared at me and, you know, looked disapproval. It looked at disapproval. See, but did this just... have more to do with how much you had to drink than anything that Rocky Rocky I, Horror did? I didn't even have that much. Maybe two or three. But I just wanted, like, you know, kind of prep myself ahead of time. But I was not expecting that. It was... Oh, my God. It was a disaster. But maybe that revealed that you guys were in a perfect match because... You know, yeah. she was more that, extroverted, maybe. No, that in fact she wasn't. She was just a bigger fan of Rocky Horror, I suppose. <laughs> Have you? Know, you... I, mean, I thought it was pretty. I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the movie and the music and everything like that, but I guess not that much. You know. I guess it's kind of a first date. T- sorry, was this a first date or a? Well, uh, we had. Been, I think we had been dating for about three months at that point. Okay. Wow. So it, yeah. at, at that point, so it's not, a, that's not your very first impression, but I guess after a couple months, it is kind of a, it's a bit of a test whether it's meant to be one or not. Um, can we kind <laughs> of enter uh, this embarrassing situation with one another and be okay with it? Or is it just like, you'll never see each other in the same way again? <laughs> See, this seems yeah. like a way better test um, for me than actually seeing a movie at an actual movie that you wouldn't get to have those kind of interactions where you would learn about each other. That's true. Um, thank you so much for your call. Great story. Oh, of course. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Next up is Callie in Vermont, past guest here on YOY. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, do, 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 do you have a date story <laughs> involving um, the movie? Yeah, I've been going out with someone for about a month, and we were making it a tradition to snuggle up in bed and watch a cute movie, but we decided to experiment a little bit, and we both like train spotting, so we watched Requiem for a Dream for the first time. <gasps> oh my god. 
And you can imagine exactly how that went. (laughs) I think you can hear from our gasps that we're imagining how that went. Okay, so everyone remind each other of um, uh, Bonnie and Maude. Remind us what goes on in in, uh, Requiem for a Dream that might be uncomfortable. Well, there's a dildo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there are two women. And then there's a guy who loses an arm. And a lot of drug use. It's It's a dark movie and you don't feel very good coming out of it um yeah so how did how did it turn out Mm, not well i don't think we really said anything to each other after it was done we just kind of immediately turned off the tv and just turned off the lights and tried to forget about it (laughs) wow wow oh i'm sorry that movie I'm sorry about that movie. Do you guys think that that's a real thing that a date can that a mo- the r- wrong movie can just totally suck the mood out of the room? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What are some good movies for making the mood happen? Hmm. That's I was a actually good thinking about uh, Before Sunset. Like that might be a good setup because it's so romantic and you know it's the ideal date. Yeah. But it's so much like love intensity. Uh-huh. I, it, it's, it would make me uncomfortable like we'd had to have a talk when it's over. <laughs> like yeah, about destiny that. and compatibility. Um, thank you so much for calling, Callie. Yep. I'm, I hope the grandma Phyllis is feeling better. She is wonderful. I know. I know. Our thoughts are with her. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Um, so on line three now is Chris in Toronto. Welcome to the show. Oh, hello, Andrea. How are you? Great, great. You're here with um, uh, Bonnie and Maude, host of Bonnie and Maude podcast. That is not their real name. No, that Eleanor and <laughs> uh, I'm a, a big fan of the show. I'm glad we could uh, we could chat. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm well, thank Oh, you. I know this Chris. Gosh, we know each know other. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I wanted to call in uh, regarding the bad movie dates because I have two short stories that I think are pertinent to the theme. Uh, one is I used to live in New York City, and I went on a first date to see the movie Shame, which I think I and the other person were kind of making jokes about. Do you know this movie? It's, it has Michael Fassbender in it. Was it the was date with your sister? Later did Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah, it's about sex addiction. <laughs> and we decided to go to it, and we were like, "Oh, this is going to be really like you know, yeah, it's going to be a hard, uncomfortable movie, but whatever. We're both into those kind of movies." And you get to see um, him naked, right? Uh, he d- oh, yeah, he's straight up naked for like a third of that movie. <laughs> How is that not a great date movie? Not really a terrific date movie, but again, I think we were going into it with the attitude that like, okay, we both actually want to see it. Like, it'll be kind of funny that we're doing it together as a date. Um, and we went to a later screening, and a couple rows ahead of us was a guy in a trench coat <laughs> who was actually sitting in his seat in a trench oh, coat. God. And we were, jo- we were like, oh, no, this guy didn't actually like come in a trench coat to the sex addiction movie. Like, it's like, this is not a good sign. It's like, and stop then sure enough, like 20 cliche. minutes into the movie, the guy started, um, let's no. just say he started having a, a party under the big top, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> no! And I asked her, like, well, what should we go, like, say something? Because there weren't that many people in the theater, and he was, like, a couple rows in front of us, and she's like, no, 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 we can wait this out. And then eventually somebody came in to take him away. <laughs> it's like, dude, stop so. being a cliche. <laughs> It's not being a cliche, so there was that one. Well, that is one it a cliche, like or is the trench coat just very practical in that scenario? Like, you're not going to bring a blanket with you to the movies. 
<laughs> it's true, yeah. At least conceivably someone is wearing a trench coat, like, right? Like, which came first? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one, I was in high school, and I guess my first date ever, um, a girl invited me to go see the quantum physics documentary, What the Bleep Do You Know? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that movie? Yes, I have seen that movie. On, on It wasn't a date, it was more of a friend date, but we were like, this looks interesting, and then had no clue what we sat through. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like not even really a documentary. It's just like a it's movie. It's pseudoscience. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a spiritual kind of nonsense thing. Um, so she, you know, I asked this girl on a date, and she's like, yeah, let's go see this movie. My mom really enjoyed it. <laughs> and about 10 minutes in, we realized that this was really not for us at all. It was just like this confusing <laughs> kind of nonsense thing. So being teenagers... You know, 10 minutes in, we just started furiously making out. Um, And there were, like, three other dudes in the theater, like, just three random guys kind of scattered throughout the theater. And about, like, 20 minutes later, somebody from the theater came in and told us to break it up and was like, yeah, someone complained. (laughs) So one of those three random guys complained. Oh, he was so lonely. It hurt his heart. uh, On the way out of the movie theater, the, the guy from the theater saw us, and he was like, hey, you two. Never come back. So there you go, wow. lifetime ban. <laughs> oh, but but what else is a movie theater? The second best thing a movie theater is good for is making out in it. How could they ban you from making out in a movie theater? I Did either I of you right, leave I, your chair? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it's the thing. Like I like, I don't like going on traumatic movie. Like I've gone on a lot of ones that have like I saw Fruitvale Station on a date last year which was also, like, a bad call. That was the police shooting movie that came out. Mm-hmm. I feel like traumatic ones can be okay because then you have kind of, like, a shared trauma where you can kind of, like, have fun later on and be like, oh, remember when we did this thing? Like, it can be something that, that brings people together almost as much as, like, a really successful one. It just completely depends on the person, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Oh, that, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for calling, Chris. Oh, thanks. Big fan of the show. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Um, yeah, no, that just reminded me. I went on a date a couple weekends ago to see um, Fritz the Cat. <laughs> Wait, what's that? <laughs> it was the first um, animated film with an X rating. Oh, oh. Um, inspired by the drawings of uh, Robert Crumb. Sure. And uh, there is like there is a bathroom orgy scene. <laughs> With a bunch of different characters, it was very. Inc- I mean, it was funny. I think we 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 survived, <laughs> but there's a lot of weird race stuff. <laughs> yeah, you never know going into a movie. I mean, even if you are, you know, it, in a way, if you watch a movie that turns out to have been an inappropriate movie to watch on a date, if your relationship does survive it, I think that actually is a good sign. I I am uh, in a long-term relationship and we have seen so many inappropriate movies um, that, you know, our relationship has survived, but I would not recommend seeing these movies. Um, very early on in the relationship, we watched Greenberg, which is the Noah Baumbach movie starring Ben Stiller and Greta Gerwig. And it's very awkward and there are some really painfully awkward sex scenes in the movie and you know it ends and we just look at each other and it is the biggest turnoff of all time um so don't get to see greenberg kids and um the other one was um 
Spanking the Monkey, which is uh, <laughs> the first film that David O. Russell made. He recently made American Hustle, but his first movie is Spanking the Monkey. And um, if you're not familiar with it, um, it's about incest between oh, a mother God. and her son. You guys knew that on your way, though. We did know it going into it, but still it's like you're watching this with a romantic partner and it's just it feels strange even if you like are totally comfortable in your relationship it's very just I wouldn't recommend seeing it on a date we were fine but (laughs) (laughs) it's just a weird movie in general I guess I find it's sometimes hard to like get those ideas out of your head after a film because you're still kind they're still in the back of your head so if you're gonna try to you know make out later that night you you just don't want that to flash back through your mind mm-hmm. um, there, there should probably be a 24 hour waiting period after some films <laughs> absence period window alright so we're taking your calls here on YOY tonight the topic is um, the worst movie you ever took a date to or were taken to that movie that was just a horrible idea that brought up some uncomfortable stuff for you um, we want to hear about those memorable movie dates at 201-209-9368. And I'm checking out the comments at WFMU.org. Um, I am joined by Elnor Kagan and Ksenia Yarosh, host of the Bonnie and Maude podcast. Takes on film and television from a femme perspective. Um, and their website's BonnieMaude.com. Uh, so... <laughs> Wait, have you ever had a movie date? I, I knew about Eleanor's, but I actually didn't know about yours, um, Ksenia. I, I I have a couple, but I don't remember them being all that traumatic. I, I went on a date where we watched Dirty Pretty Things, which is like about immigrants and uh, intestines. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just kind of gruesome and weird and sad um and I remember afterwards the date commented like oh that wasn't a great date movie um there might even be rape in it uh but I kind of people wait is rape like an instant no-go for most movies with a date yes Um, yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) but people love their game of thrones I am not watching but Uh, it hasn't seemed to bother it doesn't bother couples from their Sunday night order and watch Game of Thrones. I think rituals. that's a different conversation. And I also, I don't know. I don't think most people are watching that as an early dating tool. I think when you're going on early dates with people, you're still getting to know each other. And so there is a lot of pressure wrapped up in movie choice if you do decide to go on a date to a movie. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of pressure. You don't want to pick something that your date will then associate with you like oh they were the person that took me to see transformers or like or something horrible like irreversible i don't know anything by todd salons like yeah let's go watch 12 years a slave and then make out yeah like i think maybe if you're picking a movie um you know and it of course depends on who you are and what your interests are and what your shared interests are um but when you're picking a movie for an early on in the relationship date um you know try to pick something that won't make you feel like you want to die afterwards (laughs) um this this might be really Freudian, but when the question originally came up I actually thought of all the awkward uh movies I've watched with my parents like my parents are really open and um, I don't know they just uh, like my uh, my husband and I went over there a year ago and we watched um, I Love You Philip Morris 
which has a lot of really explicit gay sex scenes. Um, but that wasn't even like, like I'm used to it by now, but I remember being in high school and my mom, stepdad and I were watching uh, The Princess and the Warrior and my mom stepped out and it was just my stepdad and I, and there's this like really awkward, terrible hand job scene. Oh my God. And the thing is like, my stepdad has always made fun of me for being squeamish about like scary movies, whatever. Like he, he just makes fun of me. And so my thing was like, I'm just going to focus and not flinch and not breathe and let this pass. Um, and I think we also watched the handjob scene in Hedwig some years <laughs> later. It's just like, uh, these are the things that like stick in my mind. Oh, I remember the, those adolescent moments because you don't want to look away because this is one of the first times you've ever seen yeah. sex happening in front of your eyes. But you, you don't, don't want to seem into it at all. But not immature. Like, yeah. Like, I'm a grown-up. I'm just watching a film. This is what's happening. Oh, my God. So, I, I, yeah, I remember that feeling of, like, don't move. Don't move. Breathe <laughs> calmly. Like, don't go, whoa. <laughs> you can't, like, seem at all delighted by what you're witnessing. You just have to keep a steady breath. <laughs> don't, like, fidget. Just pretend it's just as boring as the thing that just happened yeah. before it. It was very awkward to see American Pie in the theaters with my mother. Oh, man. I I had the wonderful experience of watching um, when Sex and the City was on television, watching it with my grandma late at night <laughs> when I used to live with her. And um, uh, grandma has this wonderful skill, which is like anytime anything sexual would come up, she would start laughing and giggling so hard at like the mention of a penis that you couldn't even hear or like feel awkward about what was happening because she thought it was so funny. <laughs> it's like the it's probably one of her cutest traits. I love you, Grandma Phyllis. She actually sounds like a great Sex in the City um, like companion. Absolutely. Yeah, it's perfect. I, I would take like giggling and laughing over over those moments over. Um, just being awkward and quiet and being like, do you do that? <laughs> I mean, I think that the same things that could really ruin a date, um, you know, the same movie content that could really ruin a date can also really bond you um, having been through a particular unexpected movie experience together. Um, you know, coming out of a movie together and saying, oh, God, wasn't that horrible or wasn't that awkward? Or can you even believe that we paid money to see this um, can end up being a great inside joke. So what I'm saying is, there are no rules. Well, I, I think one of the things that is sort of recommended to watch on dates are scary movies, because it gets your blood flowing and like your heart rate up. And it, yeah, it definitely releases some sort of chemicals that will bond you. I can actually say that I watched the move, the Lars von Trier movie Antichrist on oh. a date, but it was Not that fine. kind of horror. No, listen, <laughs> I I was too afraid to watch it alone, and so this person was willing to watch it with me. So I was like, thank you for bearing through this horrific and where is experience. where this person now? I mean, I don't know, but. <laughs> Um, but it was, you know, it was fine. And it was my choice because it's, I'm a scared person. And so when it comes to a scary movie, I definitely want someone else there. Um, so I don't know. On Twitter, um, 
listener Noah says, first movie date I ever had was The Terminal, starring Tom Hanks in a dollar theater in high school. Made mm-hmm. out the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> that um, seems like a perfect choice, because you yeah. can totally ignore it and make out with somebody. Then he actually said after that, um, hey, that's not true, actually. My first date was... Uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Uh, Literally never saw that girl again. Aww. It's weird to see a wedding movie on a date. That's like jumping the gun. Yeah. Oh, my first date was, um, I think, Titanic. Ah. Which feels like, I mean, that could be jumping the gun in terms of like, um, like depth of love and emotion or something. <laughs> but it, no, it's there's a big ship and it goes under. It's yeah. kind of fun. I think that was perfect. I was actually talking about this with a friend today and he said that he had gone on a date to Titanic and his date cried through the whole second half of the movie and he sat there emotionless and it didn't work out. <laughs> well, okay, it was okay. So more about Titanic is that it was a it was a double date. So it was my um best friend Boris and his date and then very cool Nick Teeman and I was his date and um and then at the school dance, like a couple months later. Boris asked me to dance and requested that the DJ play My Heart Will Go On. Oh. And it was like this kind wow. of like mix mix up. How and do I you dance to that? Yeah, it was me and Nick's song now. Like we couldn't do that. But literally, how do you dance to that? <laughs> Just I, I have a very clear sweating. memory of refusing. I think I really, I think it felt too intense. I know I refused to dance to Boris. I was like, this will ruin our friendship. We can't do it. <laughs> can't do it, Boris. Um, we have a caller. Oh, no. I waited too long. I'm sorry. Call back. <laughs> Call back, Jordan Call back. and Madison. We'd love to hear from you. The number is 201-209-9368. We want to hear about early movie dates, uncomfortable movie dates, movies that are perfect for dates. You know, my my um, most dreamy date movie is, um, oh, no, what is it? <laughs> Describe it. Actors. Oh. We'll figure it out. It's like, oh. Oh, I would just <laughs> say words. I really they always show it at Film Forum on Valentine's Day. Um, it's like awkward romantic quaaludes. Some like it hot. No. Quaaludes. <laughs> quaaludes. Modern romance. Oh. Okay, it's modern romance. And then who's the guy in it? It's um. I don't think I'm familiar. I'm sorry, with I got up at four a.m. today. <laughs> It's an Albert Brooks movie, and I recommend it so strongly. And if you guys don't know it, you have to see it. It's, they show it at um, Film Forum every Valentine's Day. And it's like, it feels like um, it's so New York City. And it, all the themes in it still feel very, like, definitely resonate. There's a scene where he is going to pick up a girl for the date. They get in the car. They're on their way. And he's like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then, like, as they sit there listening to the radio and driving, he changes his mind about her. <laughs> and he just keeps driving in a circle oh, and then drops her right back off. He's like, I just can't do this. This is too soon after my breakup. <laughs> I can't do it. And it's a per I mean, perfect scene. I'm, like, obsessed with that moment because I feel like I've been on so many of those dates where you're like, this is going to be great. We're going to get drinks. We're going to hang out. And then you're like, nope, need to turn this around, even if you're not in a car. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's a good one. Yeah, so so what about movies that you like when you were younger or like now think of when you think of a perfect relationship or like at least one that illustrates an interesting relationship dynamic? 
Oh, um, definitely His Girl Friday has a great relationship dynamic because you have um, the divorced husband and wife um, who used to also work together in the um, newspaper business. Um, mind you, this movie's from the 40s. It stars Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. Um, and it's actually, it's free. It's in the public domain, so you can go watch it on uh-huh. YouTube right now. Um, but um, yeah, so they used to be married. They used to work in the newspaper business together. And um, they've they're, they sort of come back together for like one last story. And it's screwball comedy, so they talk really fast and have an amazing repartee. And I don't really want to give away the ending, but the way that they're kind of at each other's throats, yet you can tell there's a lot of mutual respect. And tension. And tension. Um, she she is engaged to be remarried to somebody else and uh, kind of gets wrapped back up into the world of journalism and can't get away from it and uh, the pull the charming pull of Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a great relationship. Um, I mean, I think movie, if you're I talking love. about Cary Grant, like you got to go charades. Like that's a much mm. healthier relationship, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just as chatty. I don't know. There's a big age difference in that one. Yeah. Um, my other favorite movie relationship is, um, and I don't think that it's a particularly healthy relationship, but I just, they're so watchable, is um, Wild at Heart, Sailor and Lula, um, Nick Cage and Laura Dern in the David Lynch movie. They are just two kids who are on the run uh, in a car across America and uh, can't get enough of each other. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, there's an amazing scene where Nick Cage is... Um, sort of performing karaoke for Laura Dern's character and she is just so turned on by him and dancing to the music and it's just an incredible like animal magnetism mm. between them and it's just so watchable. Hmm. Hmm. Um, my Nicolas Cage favorite relationship is Raising Arizona. Mm. They're so cute. Holly Hunter is just uh, ugh. <laughs> um... <laughs> When, yeah, <laughs> and and those are the, you guys are talking about movies that resonate with you right now, or also when you were younger. Oh, right now. Yeah, I'm thinking more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is something that's so changed for me. Is like my dream, like the the ones that resonated with me when I was a teenager, where I was like, "That's what I want. That's who I am. That's what love is." And then versus right now. So what were what, the, what were yeah. your teenage ones? Oh my gosh, I was so into Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> Oh, I watched it like over and over, and I went as I went as Audrey Hepburn every Halloween. <laughs> um, but I, it was something about this idea that I'm hopeless and broken. I'm hopeless and broken too. We'll, we'll make each other better together, and that is not how I think we work as people. No, <laughs> but it's great to watch it on screen. I know. I could I could never settle down. I'm gonna try to settle down. <laughs> We're gonna give the cat a name. Oh, I love. It. <laughs> I wish that it was that easy. Um, but but um, I think my like the couple that resonates with me in television right now is um, House of Cards. And I know it's kind of scandalous to say that I like this relationship, but um, it's a relationship between the the vice president and the vice president's wife character, the Kevin Spacey character. And um, his gorgeous partner. I don't know. What's that actress's name? Uh, Robin Wright. Robin Wright. So gorgeous and statuesque. And Uh. she has the most severe blonde haircut that I love. Keep cutting your shorter. You'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) It's blue, but I can try. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they have have this like trust and like unspoken understanding. 
Um, and they can just be so entirely themselves in parallel to each other. And I, yeah, I kind of idolize that, that sense of independence, not codependence, and this idea that like we're on a mission to take over the world together. Yeah. In high school, the relationship that I actually really loved was in a movie that I was obsessed with, which was Can't Hardly Wait. Um, and the relationship between uh, Seth Green's character and Lauren Ambrose's character, who are like... Um, the outsiders. They're both outcasts. Um, they used to be friends and then grew apart. And then they find love on the last night of high school. And I just thought their romance was actually really cute. And that was all I wanted in high school. So that was one that I watched a lot and definitely um, related to just having this sort of previous closeness and then hating each other but not sure why and realizing you liked each other all along. Um, Lots of folks on Twitter are chiming in about their first date movies. Um, uh, Karthikarala (laughs) says my first movie date was one hour photo. The date was good but the relationship didn't last. Isn't that questionable? That movie's scary. There's a really scary moment in that movie. Um, That's a creepy movie. Super creepy. Um, Sarah says, was taken to see Twilight. <laughs> he thought I might like it because sexism. I thought he was, I thought he liked it, so I was quiet. Oh, man. Zero out of ten, do not recommend. <laughs> so I guess he thought that she'd like it ironically, and but she didn't realize that. That's great. I, I love that. I love, like, intentions were not communicated, so everyone was afraid to, like, offend the other's taste. Yeah, you really can't ironically see a movie while it's still showing in theaters, can you? <laughs> I think you can, actually. Really? Um, there are some movies that you just know are going to be bad. Um, but oh, that reminds me. Oh, Matt, my husband, took me on a surprise date a couple of years ago. Uh, and it was <laughs> it was supposed to be like totally like, we're going to have a great time and laugh at this. Um, and then it was revealed to be that 9-11 movie with Robert <gasps> Pattinson. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, what is it? Always remember, never forget. What, what is it <laughs> called? And it was just such a bummer. Oh, oh I mean... No. Thank you, Matt, for the date, but <laughs> oh. um, that's great. We got we got another great um, Twitter. Um, we got another tw- great Twitter. I just turned 50. Um, <laughs> James on Twitter says, a local cinema had a special Valentine's weekend showing of We Need to Talk About Kevin. Oh. It's what? sold out. <laughs> what? Well, I guess when you're seeing, when it's Valentine's Day specifically, there is, you know, definitely the urge to do something anti-Valentine's Day. Um, and that movie, I think, will make you not really want to procreate. And I, I could actually see why <laughs> couples would go see that movie, but no, if you do the opposite, if you're trying to actively woo somebody through your movie choice, maybe that is not it. On line one, we have Austin and Warren. Welcome to Y O Y. Hey, how's it going? Good. Do you have a movie date to tell us about? Um, yeah, one of the first dates I ever went on, I brought this girl that I really liked to see, uh, Nanny McPhee. I don't know if you remember that movie. It was like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, ugly nanny. Yeah. yeah, with um, the British actress whose name I'm blanking yeah, out at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, didn't didn't that turn out so good? I mean, like nothing happened during the movie, but I that was the last time I hung out with her. So. What made you pick that movie? Um, I guess it, was, it had just come out, and I was getting dropped off by my parents, and I kind of didn't want them to know 
that I was going on a date with a girl, so uh-huh. that movie seemed logical, but in reality it was <laughs> <laughs> So you think everything would have been different if you had just picked a different movie? I, I really think so, sometimes. Sometimes I still think about that, and I'm like, damn. If you could have picked any movie to show her instead, what would you have picked? Uh, if I was... Something um, cool. If I knew what I know now, I guess I would... Have you ever seen Woody Allen's movie, um, Midnight Summer Sex Comedy or something like that? A mid, uh, Midsummer Night Sex Comedy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think... Maybe that's not a good one either, though, because they're, <laughs> they're all in love with someone else. But it is streaming on Netflix. Uh, a good way to take someone home. I think a yeah, great. Yeah, um, I think a great way to act like to pick a movie is actually, um, you know, you start talking about film and suddenly it's like I can't believe you haven't seen mm-hmm. insert movie that you can't believe they haven't seen here, and then that's a great opportunity to share with them something they love and it is kind of also a test in a way because if it's something that you love and then they don't respond well to it maybe you don't have the the same taste in movies which you know doesn't necessarily make or break a relationship but it does maybe affect how often you will be going to the movies in your dating future thanks so much or or the opposite could happen and you (laughs) show someone a movie and they love the movie and then you're like oh okay well this is gonna work out (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's true. Good luck, Austin. Thanks so much for the call. Yep. Have a good night. Thanks. All right. We can slip in a, a couple more calls here at 201-209-9368. We want to hear about your first movie dates, your worst movie dates, your best movie dates. Um, there's just something that ha- there's the, the movie becomes part of the experience with this other person, and there's no way to, to avoid it. On WFMU.org, Jeff says, something which seems like a terrible idea as one of the first movies for a couple to watch together, but actually worked really well, was the first Jackass movie. Hmm. <laughs> he says, um, maybe one thing that worked is the dynamic of choosing the movie, playing against gender stereotypes. I really wasn't at all interested in sitting through it. Um, kind of turned up my nose, but you know, thought it was a crudeness I didn't need. She rented it anyways. She thought it'd be fun, and we both laughed our asses off. So That's great. Nice. Yeah, I feel like to, I think, you know, the I, uh, I think it would be bad to say, oh, I'm not watching this. You pick this out, I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe, maybe it's that romantic movies are tough on dates because, I don't know, everyone has certain things that are, you know, maybe a trigger for them in terms of, past relationships or emotions or something can come up for somebody in seeing that on screen so you know like Ksenia said pick a horror movie pick an action movie pick a a bad movie like a movie you know is gonna be bad go see the room on a date that's a great (laughs) date movie hey there are some creepy sex scenes in there if but you just you're not ready for it (laughs) oh man um, something, okay, what do you guys think about this? When you're hanging out with a guy and he's like, oh, you need to see this movie. You really need to see it. I've already seen it, but I'll watch you watch it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Or like, or yeah, I haven't seen it for a while. We'll watch it again. And he like already knows everything that's going to happen and you don't. A guy did that with Chasing Amy. Um, uh, this guy I, I dated in college and it's like, what is the message you're trying to send? <laughs> um, and I think like, earlier in the relationship he he like pointed out that I checked out girls so I don't know like that was in there as well I I don't know 
it was, I don't know, I think it was a misstep. <laughs> um, huh. Well, this has been fun. We, we, still have, we still have a bit of time. Um, have you guys seen um, the Thin Man movies? Those are so good. Like, when I saw those, I was like, that is the relationship. I want and need. Um, and my husband and I actually used a quote from it on our, uh, like, wedding programs. Um, and it's a little counterintuitive because it's about this detective couple who drink a lot. Um, that seems to be their, their fuel. But they're also just so perfect together and, like... <coughs> chatty and comfortable and like they never let the other one um i don't know they always question the the motive of the other one and then there um it's a series so like in the later ones there's this awesome scene where they go to a jazz club um but they both realize that they're too old for it (laughs) Um, and that's how I feel sometimes. <laughs> that you're too old for dates, date, certain date activities? But it's like, I don't know, sometimes you go to a place uh, when you're 29 and you're like, oh, I'm the oldest person here. I'm not into this anymore. Um, joining us on line one is Steve in Staten Island. Welcome to YOY. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good. Have you had a movie date you want to tell us about? Well, well, I just wanted to call because uh, when I was like 15... I used to, my girlfriend's parents used to drop her off at the movies, and I used to, like, like super cheap out, and I would, like, buy one ticket and then hold the door open for her. <laughs> oh, man. And she and she was okay with that? I don't know. When I, well, I was, like, 15. I didn't really have much of an income, so it just seemed like it was that or no movies at all. Do you remember what you guys would go see? Uh, well, honestly, we just used going to the movies as an excuse to make out mostly, so... <laughs> Yep, doing it right at fifteen. <laughs> but the first movie, the first movie we went to go see was um, um, that movie with Joaquin Phoenix and the Alien. <laughs> uh, signs. Signs. Oh, yeah. you guys are so good at that. <laughs> oh, and then and then more recently, I took a girl on a date to see that movie, The Future. Uh huh. The Miranda July movie. Yeah, and uh, that didn't really go over so well, especially with the cat at. Oh, don't spoil it. Yeah, we. I won't say anything, but yeah, I don't know. It wasn't a great thing, but it turned out to be like a cool, you know, relationship. After we joked about it forever. Uh huh. Yeah, mutual uh, shared experience of surviving a movie. I think it really can work. That seems to be the big theme here. (laughs) I feel like even if you go see a bad movie as a date, if like you have the right chemistry you could just like turn it around anyway exactly exactly well the thing you can't really recover from is if you if you do start making out during the movie and then something really dreadful violent (laughs) happens and you have to do that like awkward pull away like can we kiss while this is happening (laughs) i'm not really sure um thank you so much for your call have a great night all right thanks all right. Well, this has been so much fun. Oh, I still have a couple more questions. Oh, yeah. Do you guys have any movie recommendations for this weekend if couples are planning out their date night? Ooh. Um, Godzilla. Yes, Godzilla is really fun and I think would be a great date movie. It's beautiful and, like, there there's some emotional scenes, but it's not too sappy. I mean, it's primarily an action movie, so you can, like, really get into it and, like 
hold hands during the scary parts. And then when you go home, you can watch the original in bed. Yes, exactly. I think monster <laughs> <Who's> movies <home>? <laughs> Monster <laughs> movies make great date movies, and this is a particularly great one. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, I have been joined by Eleanor Kagan and Ksenia Yarosh, hosts of the Bonnie and Maude podcast, the show that takes on film and television shows from a femme-centric perspective. Visit bonnieandmaude.com to subscribe or just search for that on iTunes. Yeah. Um, you can also tweet at us at Bonnie and Maude. You guys have some events coming up, right? Or topics that you're hoping to crowdsource? We do. Um, we are doing a episode. Well, the next one coming out is going to be part of a pod crawl uh, with our friend podcasts, Read It and Weep and Proudly Resents. We're taking on the 90s Batman sequels. So we will be talking about Batman Returns with a uh, real deal Catwoman expert. And then after that, we're doing a, an episode about sisterhood and siblings. Um, and so we really would love to hear from uh you guys about what movies you liked watching with your siblings and also which on-screen siblings um, have resonated with you. Um, so tweet at us, email us, Bonnie and Maude at Gmail, and yeah, we'll keep this discussion going. That's great. We um, got a couple more comments on the playlist page. Bad Guy Zero says, my most recent girlfriend and I went to see Adventureland on our second date. Oh, nice. Mm. That's a great movie. It was really fun. Um, Cavorting with Nudist says, my... Says thin man movies are perfect. William Powell is like the anti-Randy. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Jeff says something which turned out to be a bad pick. Um, Team America World Police <laughs> turned out to be a bad pick. Yeah. Oh, I'm curious I think why. It depends. He says the puppet sex scene was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends on your sense of humor with yeah. that one. I guess if you go on a date with a puppet, that might be the wrong choice. <laughs> I don't know. Puppets probably don't get to see puppet sex very often. Mm. <laughs> or that, Muppet. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, you guys oh. have been so great. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having us. This is really great. Um, everyone should stay tuned now for Dave Emery. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Here is Dave Emery, the world's favorite anti-fascist. Dave Emery. This is side one of For the Record program number 765, The Adventures of Eddie the Friendly Spook, Part 10, Shearing the Piglet, subtitled They're Shocked, Shocked. This is being recorded on December 15th of the year 2013. Now, the title of the program, and once again, we're going to be uh, delving into the incredibly important stories surrounding uh, Edward Snowden's, quote, disclosures, unquote. Uh, note the quotes. And uh, as I have noted in the past, things are fundamentally different from the way the vast majority of media outlets have been portraying them. Uh, for one thing, most of this information, the, the information that has been, quote, shocking people, unquote, uh, is, has been on the record for a long time 
and or could be safely extrapolated. I've been talking about NSA and GCHQ hoovering up of electronic communications for many years, uh, that from open source information. This is not an exercise in self-exaltation, but rather it is to point out that this information, anyway, the things that are bothering people, you know, big brothers monitoring your communications, blah, 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 that has been on the public record for a long time. I've been talking about it from open source, from open sources for the better part of two decades. And again, this is not an exercise, an exercise in self-exaltation, but rather it is to uh, point out that there is something very different than what uh, people have been generally led to think. Uh, another major aspect of this uh, derives directly from a passage from Mein Kampf, Adolf Hitler's political manifesto and, to an extent, autobiography. In Mein Kampf, Hitler wrote, Most people tell little lies. They would be ashamed to tell big ones. They would never credit others with such great impudence as the complete reversal of facts. Even explanations would long leave them in doubt and hesitation, as any trifling detail would dispose them to accept a thing as true. All good liars know this, therefore, and stop at nothing to achieve this end. Far from being crusaders for civil liberties and human freedom, blah, 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 People like Edward Snowden, uh, Citizen Greenwald, who spent years as an attorney running legal interference for a bunch of stone Nazi killers, uh, these people are in fact the opposite of what they are being generally represented to, as being. Uh, you start, and again, I spent the first, oh, about five shows roughly, uh, Introducing the characters and the political milieu, my favorite word, uh, of which they are part. That's why I did the Dramatis Personae programs, because when you begin examining Eddie the Friendly Spook, and again, he is an intelligence officer, and spy rhymes with lie. When you begin examining these interests, they not only are not concerned with human liberty and freedom and uh, so forth, uh, despite the use of the term libertarian. It's one of the things that makes this particular lie so seductive. Libertarianism itself is sort of a backdoor to fascism or corporatism, as Mussolini uh, put it. Mussolini, who invented the term fascism and the system, described it as, uh, described it, il fascismo e il corporatismo. Fascism is corporatism. And libertarianism, despite the fact that many people of good and sincere faith have been attracted to that philosophy, uh, libertarianism winds up being, by and large, a backdoor to fascism. And again, I know I'm repeating myself, uh, remember that the motto of the German Nazi party under Adolf Hitler was Freiheit und Brot, freedom and bread. You see, the Nazis were really in favor of freedom. Well, the devil 
was in the details. And uh, when you start examining the milieu of Eddie the Friendly Spook, the Ludwig von Mises Institute, Ron Paul et al., you literally, literally come to people who believe in slavery, past, present, and future. So to telescope uh, these arguments enormously uh, in order to understand the nature of the forces of which Edward Snowden is part, what part of slavery do you not understand? Now, in this program, we're going to be taking a look at something that I have touched on before, and that is the fact that what the NSA is has been doing and the GCHQ is not only standard operating procedure, but the European countries have been doing the same thing, including small European countries with fewer safeguards. The title of the program, Shearing the Piglet, comes from a, a, a delightful quote from a Russian president of Vladimir Putin, himself, by the way, a former intelligence officer, in the story, Putin defends Snowden's stop over rejects U.S. drivel by Anton Doroshev, Nicole Goet, and Nathan Gill of Bloomberg.com from June 25th of this year, 2013. Uh, Putin was quoted uh, as saying about this whole business, it's like shearing a piglet, all squealing and no wool, uh, which there actually will be a lot of wool in the next installment. We're going to talk about the destabilization of the NSA and some of the things that I think are likely to come out of this. And ultimately, we're going to be taking a look at the assault on U.S. Internet companies and some things that are likely to affect you very directly. The subtitle of the program, They're Shocked, Shocked, uh, is, of course, from the movie Casablanca, starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. At one point, Major Strasser orders Rick's Cafe closed down. And the Claude Rains, playing the police chief, Louis Renault, uh, says, I'm shocked, shocked to learn that there's gambling going on in this establishment. And then the croupier comes up to him and says, Your winnings, sir. And all over Europe and all over the world, people are shocked, shocked. And again, I've been talking about this stuff from open sources from the better part, for the better part of two decades. And yet everybody is shocked. Uh, beginning with uh, an article I've read before, this is from the New York, by way of underscoring the point I've just made, the New York Times of September 6, 2001, more than 12 years ago, features this article, World Briefing, Europe, report on U.S. spy system by Suzanne Daly, D-A-L-E-Y. Now, again, this was on September 6th of 2001, five days before 9-11, and as we're going to see, it is the culmination, the European Parliament report was the culmination of a year-long study. That's before September of 2001. This reads in part, the United States-led spying system known as Echelon can monitor virtually every communication in the world by email, phone, or fax that bounces off a satellite, the European Parliament was told. But in reporting on a year-long study of the system, again, this story, September of 2001, but in reporting on a year 
long study of the system that was prompted by concern that American companies were using data from the system to gain a competitive edge, Gerhard Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-D as in dog, a German member of the parliament, said that many European countries had similar abilities. And we're going to be taking a look at exactly 